for a business to be successful, you have to believe in it. You have to have a mission and you have to have an end goal that's worth going through all those tough, dark times. There has to be a light. And if you want a business that's just about making money, there's easier ways of doing it. But if you want a business that thinks big, that is certainly about generating big revenues, but ultimately has a greater mission than that as well, well, then that's the sort of journey we're on. And we've always taken on things that are hugely challenging. Welcome to Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Borohovich. I thoroughly enjoy bringing you discussions with incredible industry leaders in every episode, and it would mean a lot to me if you could rate the podcast in your favorite player and hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. Today, I speak with Andrew Jenkinson and Neil O'Driscoll, co-founders at Shine VR a product developed by Vstream Health. In their own words, Shine VR is the world's first generative VR digital therapeutic platform for chronic pain. But before we dive in, I met Andrew years ago at the Frontiers Health Conference, and I was sitting on the other side of the microphone being interviewed by him. Andrew reached out to tell me about their spin-up, Shine VR, and we hopped on a quick Zoom. There, I met Neil. Two co-founders bring a lot of energy and passion. And it was interesting for me to learn about an evolution of a service business into a product business. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Andrew and Neil. Andrew and Neil, welcome to the DTX podcast. Andrew, I know you and I met a while back, uh, I think pre-pandemic at a Frontiers Health Conference um, in Berlin. And speaking of which, that's actually coming right up, right around the corner in November, I think November 8th to the 10th in Rome. So not sure we'll see you guys there, but uh, certainly many of the innovators are coming together there. But for our audience, as you guys are co-founders of Vstream Health uh, with a new product coming out, uh, Shine VR, would love uh, each of you guys to give a little bit of the background and don't forget a small interesting fact about yourself. Sounds great. Uh, well, hi again, Eugene. It's uh, it's great to see you again. Uh, we met at, at Frontiers Health, and I believe I actually interviewed you for a podcast, so it's nice to be on the other side of the microphone. That's right. That's right. Thanks for having us. Um, I'm Andrew Jenkinson. I'm co-founder of Vstream Health with Neil O'Driscoll, who you'll hear from in, in a moment. Um, my background is in technology. So I studied as a software developer, had a, a master's in innovation. And in about 2007, I was part of an exit of a software company I was a co-founder of, uh, and myself and Neil joined our forces. So my background is in technology and product development, uh, and Neil's background is in the creative space. And I'll hand over to Neil to introduce himself. Yeah, it's great to be on this uh, podcast and talking to you guys. Um, yeah, my background is actually theatre, believe it or not. Theatre and film is what I uh, studied in college. And then from there left and went on to uh, to work in, in online. Before there was broadband or even ISDN, we started creating content uh, for online uh, websites. But we actually met at the age of eight. Uh, we were in school together. Um, I was in the school before Andrew, about a year beforehand. And I remember I came out onto the school steps. And I saw this kid standing by himself and he was eating what was a, a very nourishing lunch at the time which is called a crisp sandwich or also known as a potato chip sandwich. So it's like potato chips between two slices of white bread. It was popular in, in Ireland in the 80s. 
uh, and he was from the north side of the city, which is the rougher side, and I was from the south side, which is much wealthier. Actually, this is the beginning of our innovation kind of journey. I suggested he put mayonnaise on it, and we put that together, and uh, and obviously that made the sandwich. Um, uh, and that was the beginning of of our partnership. And we've gone through a lot of different journeys and stories since then, but that was the genesis uh, of it uh, back in 1980 something. I can't remember now, 85 or something like that. You guys just aged yourself. You just aged yourself. And I love the carb on carb and let's add some fat in the middle. It was post-famine era, you know. You can't have an Irish meal without a potato in it in, in, in some format. Um, but an interesting fact, I suppose, uh, myself and Neil are both uh, avid musicians. Um, so we uh, we had bands both together and separately. Uh, Neil toured in the US with his band, The Little Ghetto Boys. I released a single in 2004, uh, had a top 20 hit, and uh, we really thought the music career was 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 going to be where uh, where the future was. And uh, then we realized there was no concept of promotions in the music industry, no concept of job security, etc. But we also realized that both of us managing our own bands and and, and creating a successful endeavor out of a creative uh, vehicle was something we could bring together and actually uh, do focus towards a, a business endeavor. So we started VStream uh, in 2007, which has become VStream Health and has led us to uh, to where we are today. Amazing background. And, you know, I always say, right, the right partners in a company, the first thing that matters, and honestly, at the end of the day, almost the only thing that matters is trust in each other. And there's nothing like, you know, somebody going all the way back to eating a carbon carb sandwich at being eight years old. So um, maybe tell us just a little bit more about VStream Health, um, but then very quickly kind of transition into, you know, and this is what attracted me to have you guys on, because typically we have the trailblazers that kind of the mission and the vision is to create a and manufacture a digital therapeutic product or service. And not often you hear in this space where there's a services company in one space that is launching a product, right? Um, and that's a very difficult transition. So we'll talk about that as well. Let's back us up, VStream Health and the idea and how the sparks went off to um, actually create Shine VR, which we'll talk more about. Yeah, fantastic. So a little before VStream Health was VStream. Um, and uh, we worked with a, a plethora of global brands on, uh, on innovation projects. Uh, we worked across a number of different disciplines. Um, we've had the incredible fortune of working in uh, sports for uh, the Formula One teams uh, for Super Bowl 50, for example, using immersive technologies to create really engaging experiences. We've worked a lot with technology companies like Dell and SAP using uh, really high-end immersive solutions to help tell their stories. And in 2016, Pfizer uh, entered our doors uh, and came to us with a problem where they wanted to um, help us communicate the benefits of a particular medication to their healthcare professionals and also their patients. So there began VStream Health, and we started working with a lot of the big pharma companies, helping them with their communication challenges using immersive technologies and particularly virtual reality. So we've delivered VR experiences for five of Pfizer's top seven drugs, for example, over the last number of years. And we really saw that this wasn't just a communication solution, but also there was a therapeutic element to a lot of what we were doing. So there's a huge mental health aspect to a lot of the diseases that we work with, 
And we were seeing that we were able to create a small element of cognitive behavioral therapy within some of the virtual reality experiences that really helped the patients. So we decided to develop our own platform called ShineVR, which is really focused on the workplace, on stress reduction and increasing wellness using cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. And we've piloted this with a number of our clients, including large technology companies and large pharma companies. And Neil will probably talk a little bit about our pilot studies and the results, but suffice to say they were significant. Um, and it really led us down a path of, okay, so we know that we can create a very positive effect using this technology and using our skills and our years of experience. And what is the biggest unmet problem that we could potentially solve with this? So we looked around and obviously we we're aware of the fact that chronic pain is a really huge issue. It's the number one issue in need of re rehabilitation uh, from the World Health Organization's perspective, 20% of the world's population. And in fact, a little over 30 in Ireland suffer from chronic pain. So we decided to run a pilot of Shine VR as a digital therapeutic, calling it Shine VRX. Uh, we got involved in a TV show um, with this absolutely amazing patient called Teresa, uh, who suffers from chronic pain. She has a morphine bag. Uh, she had a spinal surgery that was unsuccessful and um, she really, really suffers. So we developed a short pilot version of a chronic pain solution for her. And really this TV show was our way of trying to understand the efficacy of a solution like this in a, in a real world scenario. Teresa's perception of pain reduced by on average 33%. She has used it since January every single day. And while she uses the virtual reality solution, she has no perception of pain. So this very, very early iteration of Shine VRX digital therapeutic version of what we do is the future of the business. So I guess what we did was we took our experience in creating patient centric experiences and healthcare professional educational experiences in virtual reality for pharma companies and applied it to a patient population uh, with one of the largest unmet healthcare needs. Uh, and that is the goal and vision of the product. Really amazing to hear already the early experiences from the patients. Um, I think many of the listeners know what a VR experience is, but um, obviously would love to hear what it really takes. Let's touch on one other key component here. Again, as a services company, walk us through the, the funding journey, right? Because to my understanding is you guys self-funded it from the profits from the core business. That is a big decision to make. Um, how did you guys come to that? Uh, so maybe just dive a little deeper. And I don't want to call it a pivot, but a spin-up of a product within a services company? Yeah, sure. I mean, in some ways we talk about it being a pivot, but it's not really a pivot per se. I mean, we have been on this journey, as Andrew said, since we began creating patient-centric virtual reality experiences, uh, you know, for a number of different disease areas, we've been thinking about how we can use virtual reality to help patients. Uh, you know, and, and this is just a natural progression of that. In the services business, we use design thinking to solve complex problems. And it's that combination of, of my experience and Andrew's experience, that creative thinking, that technical know-how that is at the core of the solutions that we provide. 
Um, and within that, we're always, we've always been thinking about how do we productize something? So it's in our DNA. Um, it's not something that we've suddenly one day went, Oh, actually, let's, let's, you know, think about becoming a product. Since we began the company, we've always thought about how do you productize these solutions that we create? So, so there's nothing new in it per se. What is new, I suppose, is, is changing the business model itself. And I suppose we're driven by a vision. For a business to be successful, you have to believe in it. You have to have a mission and you have to have an end goal that's worth going through all those tough, dark times. There has to be a light. And if you want a business that's just about making money, there's easier ways of doing it. But if you want a business that thinks big, that is certainly about generating big revenues, but ultimately has a greater mission than that as well, well, then that's the sort of journey we're on. And we've always taken on things that are hugely challenging. So the challenge basically for us now is, as you say, taking the revenues that we've generated from the services business, investing them uh, so as we can get to the point where we are now, uh, which is we have a product, it's in the market, um, and now going out to talk to investors and say, look, we have something that's worth investing in, uh, come on this journey with us. Um, but we're not just a startup, we have a lot of experience behind us, and that that means something um, in you know solving this new problem, which is moving from services to being a product business. Neil, thanks for that. And I, I agree with you that passion, the drive to help the patients, right? That investment that you guys are making from your core business. And again, I'm going to mention you're a VR while, you know, the question is, is the metaverse already here? There is a lot of competition. There've been companies like Applied VR, Josh was on the show, Behavior, Aaron, that merged with Oxford VR. I won't keep going, but there's at least a few others how do you guys look at the competition and the overall market and as a new entrant into the space? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think uh, we look at those companies um, and we're very thankful for their existence. If you look at Applied VR, for example, um, their pathway, their de novo approval, the beachhead that they have served as a virtual reality company, getting uh, regulatory approval, reimbursement, proving this model only helps companies like us and many others that want to enter the space. We're, we're trying to solve a really, really big problem here, and there is room for a number of companies to do so. Um, we're initially European-focused. We had some really interesting conversations with a potential Japanese partner as well recently, and also the US being obviously a very, very key market for us. Um, the other element is we're looking at ways of differentiating um, and we're looking at how we can use new technologies and innovations. Um, we have been a VR company for very, very, very many years. So we've understood the benefits of that technolo technology. And now we're looking at layering uh, other technologies such as generative VR on top of this to make a really, truly differentiated product. But what we feel is it's the combination of all of the innovations, the likes of Applied VR, Behavior, uh, XR Health, there's there's so much incredible innovation and forward thinking happening, and it's required because we're really trying to change an industry here and push a, a, an age-old industry into the digital revolution, the digital therapeutic revolution. A tide raises all boats, right? And to your comment earlier, there is unfortunately a lot of pain <laughs> in this world. Um, and, and, you know, I am referring to both mental and physical. 
and so there's room for many of the players, especially um, improving those experiences. And speaking with the experiences, while, I, again, I think most of the listeners familiar with the VR experiences, maybe just walk us through that patient or in, in the initial pilot stage employee journey with, with that pain and what's kind of inside that headset. Sure. So um, I'll talk about Shine VR, which is very much the corporate solution. And it's built on a number of individual spaces. So we worked with our partners in neuroscience and counseling psychology uh, to incorporate proven CBT techniques in a number of different spaces. So we have um, a space called the quiet space, which is really designed for wellness. Um, you can engage in creative endeavors. You can engage in play. You can change the weather outside to, uh, to match your mood. Uh, and this is all about, um, you know, creating new neural connections. We have a relaxation space where you can engage in voice led diaphragmatic breathing in a number of spaces of nature, visualize your breath, et cetera. And that's all about reducing perception of stress. We work on what we call the human performance curve. So not all stress is bad stress. We want people to be focused and energized for work. Uh, stress gets us out of bed in the morning. Um, so we have some games, uh, visual spatial games that are really about increasing focus. Uh, so for the corporate solution, we want to improve productivity, reduce stress, increase wellness, uh, which ultimately has a really strong net bottom line effect when it comes to uh, absenteeism, attrition, et cetera, and the kind of things that your chief people officer and the HR department are really, really interested in. With Shine VRX, with the pain uh, solution, it is very much about incorporating cognitive behavioral therapy techniques to help rewire the brain and understand how pain is perceived and how that perception of pain can be reduced uh, through a number of different very proven techniques. So this is not something we're reinventing. We're just digitally transforming this and then incorporating an element of generative AI on top of that. Very curious to experience the generative VR part. And I love the you know, generative AI, generative VR. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Andrew Jenkinson and Neil O'Driscoll, co-founders at Shine VR. I've used this prior with the with the VR guests. Uh, you know, it's a bit of this mind over matter. Maybe you can talk a little bit deeper into the because uh, you mentioned you're working with researchers and kind of translating the CBT into the VR world. But maybe you can talk a little bit more about the scientific hypothesis that you guys took and how you're generating this evidence and, and what does that journey look like for you? I suppose we're still in a band, you know, um, we have uh, we have a lot of other players with us. Um, so. You know, when we start designing any of our solutions, uh, we work with m many different experts in different fields. Um, when it comes to specifically to pain, um, we're working with Professor Brian McGuire, who's the director uh, of the Center for Pain Research, and Dr. Rosemary Keane, who's senior clinical psychologist in pain management at Beaumont Hospital. Uh, and we've worked with a number of other uh, uh, experts in, in various areas in neuroscience, for example. So. We do talk about CBT. Um, we talk about the, the, the basic principle of, of uh, neuroplasticity and the concept, I suppose, when it comes to pain, pain is very much in the mind. So it's important to, to understand that these therapeutic techniques that we're using are, are proven in a lot of different areas. Um, but bringing them into virtual environments is also proven to increase their efficacy. So what we've done to date, we've run uh, four pilots so far, and we use multi-baseline approach. So uh, we're measuring for stress. We use the 
PSS scale, the perceived stress scale. We use the Warwick Edinburgh scale of wellness. Uh, and we measure a number of other different uh, areas uh, using kind of Likert scales. So with the multi-baseline approach uh, for 10 days um, of, of where people are working, we're talking about employees here, we get them to answer this series of questions uh, for 10 days and that forms our baseline. Uh, and then we get them to use the headset and continue to answer these questions. Um, and with the multi-baseline, it means we have a number of groups that we set at different, uh, maybe a week or two weeks apart. Um, the reason we do that is to try and avoid any major negative or positive influence that might impact the, the results. And the results we've got to date have been really impressive with these kind of initial uh, rollouts. So we have had over 68% trend downwards for stress once we brought in the intervention. Uh, 58% of people trended upwards for wellness. We saw a lot of negative trends uh, reverse. So from corporate point of view, job satisfaction, for example, we had 35% of people trending uh, downwards for job satisfaction. That dropped to 15%. So we have a lot of data efficacy data from the various pilots we've done. And then we also have a lot of data around interaction. So how long people spend in a space, how long they use certain uh, activities, and we're able to correlate that with uh, the efficacy data as well. So that's hugely important uh, for us when it comes to uh, iteration and designing the next layers of content. Uh, and that ultimately, all of those different areas, uh, diaphragmatic breathing, the mindfulness, the use of different types of spaces, all of those form the basis and, of course, our, our heritage in, in creating educational content for pharma um, and also that idea of embodiment. All of those different elements are core and key elements to creating a CBT course. So CBT is important to us, but we're using a lot of other different uh, psychological techniques as well. And we want to look to the power of VR itself as we move to the future. I appreciate the the walkthrough and maybe kind of in, in summary, because you guys started in kind of the corporate wellness, right, to A, really build the solution, you know, uh, iterate the solution. Uh, maybe just very quick summary of what's the proposition to the employer, right? Because not everybody has a VR set and, you know, but just overall, what are the outcomes they're, you know, they're looking for? What are you quote unquote promising or, or, or hypothesizing on? And, uh, yeah, give us a quick summary. Yeah. So the corporate proposition is essentially, um, we want to have the most productive and happy workforce that you can imagine. So stress reduction and increasing wellness are the two proven outcomes of our platform and stress and productivity are directly linked. And there's a real connection between attrition and absenteeism. So at a very basic level, um, you're going to have a less stressed workforce, uh, a happier workforce and a more productive workforce, which results in, you know, less turnover, less sick days, et cetera, et cetera. But what is really important is this human performance curve where we want to keep people in the optimal performance zone and focused and energized. If you pass the point of stress becoming distress. You get into ill health, burnout, etc. But this is where we start to lead into ill health and where the chronic pain element can really come in. So 33% of worker-related insurance claims are to do with chronic pain and musculoskeletal conditions. So our platform right now delivers a stress and wellness solution and the iteration for the Shine VRX element, which we're now building out, 
will also aid employers in this really costly issue and the health insurers costly issue of ill health as a result of stress. So we're taking a journey from stress and wellness into chronic pain and, and using that as a, a route to market for our corporate customers, as well as then from a uh, digital therapeutic perspective in the, uh, in the clinical space. So what else is in the pipeline? You started in pain management. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your pipeline? We are looking at a number of other indications um, because I think it's important for us to to recognize that, you know, as we mentioned before, chronic pain itself is is huge and it covers so many different areas um, and it's a complex uh, piece. And our experience of, of working, uh, you know, creating patient-centric virtual reality experiences shows us that pain and chronic pain crosses so many different disease areas. We have been looking at a number of different spaces. I won't go into specifically where we're looking at yet, but we are ultimately going to create a number of different products for a number of different indications. We're going to pilot them. And we'll see where they're at. And the ones that we feel show greatest efficacy, we'll move them on into clinical trials then. So, so ultimately, that's our, that's our plan. At the same time, we're developing out the techniques that we're using as well. So how we educate people, um, how we educate patients, how do we personalize how people uh, are learning. People learn in different ways. They retain information in different ways. So how can we focus on that learning experience? Because CBT and the likes are all about learning. How do we focus on delivering the best learning experience for patients, personalize that to get the greatest efficacy out of the, the actual platforms that we're building? Uh, and then what's really interesting is looking at virtual reality specifically uh, itself. So, for example, cyber sickness, you know, well, can we actually turn that around and can we use that in a way that can be beneficial to the design of products that we're using? So that's where we're at at the moment. It's one of those questions where, you know, as a young product, you need to focus, but you have to have the aspirations and, you know, leveraging the core technology and platform that you guys have built uh, to help more people. So kudos on the aspirations, but also the key focus on the current product iteration. Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my amazing partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the CEO of Health Excel and as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hey, Andrew and Niall. Given your clients for the core business are mainly pharmaceutical companies, why not focus on scaling with them? So it's a great question, and it's one that we have thought about and one that we have uh, actually had discussions with some of our, our clients on. Um, so it's not out of the question by any uh, stretch of the imagination. As you can imagine, uh, large pharma companies uh, move slowly. So you have to start those, uh, those conversations early. Uh, and we keep moving as we develop, uh, uh, and, and move forward. We, we keep those conversations open. But it is true. There, you know, in a lot of the indications that we have worked with and continue to work with pharma companies on, there's definitely an opportunity for us to, to partner with them. So it's, it's not out of the question. It is something we are in discussions with. Um, but it's not something we've said that's the way we're going yet because we obviously, uh, need those pharma pharma companies and clients to come on the journey with us. At the right point, we'll look at uh, whether there's a strong opportunity, but it's definitely a possibility. I'm going to hop in here as usual, and, and the words slow and pharma are, are, they can be used in the same sentence, so that that's okay. But I, I would also say that at least from kind of what I'm seeing is that finally, I think the pharmaceutical companies are waking up to this digital therapeutic as a not necessarily still a standalone product, but certainly to enhance the outcomes of the existing molecules. 
and the existing products on the market. And to be fair, I think they're also looking at this from potential M&A and you know, the pricing out in the market of a lot of these assets uh, today, where before maybe it was not worth their time. So you know, everything is about right time, right place. So uh, we'll, we'll go from there. And again, focus is very much key, right? I think you guys mentioned that you're starting in Europe, obviously, you're starting with pain. Uh, maybe you can just paint a little bit of a picture here, kind of what are your general scaling plans? How are you looking at different channels? Again, back to the employer channel, but also your decision to say, hey, we do want to be a prescribed product as well. Given what we've seen in the marketplaces, again, on one side, applied VR, you mentioned some of the positive impacts, but then we've had a bankruptcy or two out there in the prescription market, which is harder to scale. So in summary, overarching plans and your decision to still pursue a prescription product? It's a great question. So we're focusing initially on the corporate market and then the chronic pain element obviously has a really significant benefit to that market. So can we be a very successful scaled product without entering the clinical space? Yes. Uh, however, we really want to expand access to care. So we're seeing a huge amount of change in the industry from a regulatory and a reimbursement perspective. Obviously, in Europe, where we are headquartered, so we're based in Dublin, Ireland, you're starting to see Germany with DIGA pathway and France with PECAN, and, and there's a, a number of additional uh, countries in the EU coming on stream. Um, so we're going to be spending the next couple of years, we're in a raise at the moment, and we're going to be spending the next couple of years really focusing on the corporate market and finalizing our clinical approach and our clinical route to market. There have been some casualties along the way. Um, I think that's the case with every disruptive technology. Um, and I think, you know, the lessons to be learned from some of those companies, successes and the failures are things that we're, we're, we're looking really, really closely at. So corporate initially, corporate with chronic lower back pain and chronic pain, and then going to moving to clinical validation with um, with the various indications that Neil alluded to. Um, there's the European fast track process. There's obviously a huge amount of work happening with the FDA. And I, I mentioned uh, Japan as being another really interesting space for us. So we have a little bit of time to really, I suppose, finalize our clinical approach and it is moving at a pace where we feel that we're going to learn every month something new happens that 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 really helps inform our decision um but we're very confident that both the regulatory bodies uh, the reimbursement organizations and all of the different stakeholders within this healthcare spectrum understand the value of new technologies understand the importance of getting them to patients uh, and we want to be there at the right place at the right time uh, with the right solution and that's our goal you know, usually at this point, I ask a very simple question, you know, what advice would you give to either entrepreneurs, policymakers? But I think with you guys, um, I'm kind of leaning towards, uh, there's there's a number of services company I've spoken with, I've seen where, you know, the aspiration of productizing, right? Because on one side, that's a positive in a sense that you can scale a product. I don't want to say easier, it's very different. And that's actually... I think one of the key challenges for a services company to switch to a product company, you guys are just starting that journey or, or, or been on it for X period of time. Maybe you can give advice to some of the services entrepreneurs out there that have the aspirations for building products, but it's not easy. 
Any initial thoughts? Anything worth doing isn't easy, you know. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're getting into this because you're looking for the easy life, definitely don't do that. There's plenty of other things to do for the easy life. I think for anyone who, who is looking uh, to this area, I think one of the things you have to uh, identify is what value you do have that others may not. Uh, so, you know, for us, it's, it's the experience of actually running a business through stormy waters, you know, just that practical understanding of how to run, how to build a business. Um, and then also knowing that over the period of time, you have clients, you already have clients, you already have relationships. And that commercial element of it is, I think, is, is really, really important. The other thing is that a lot of the time in services, you have to learn how to respond quickly to changing market uh, environments, you know, and being able to do that, knowing how to do that, uh, I think is hugely important, especially when you're going into what we're going into now. It's a, it's a new market, it's opening up, but regulations are changing, things may take longer. So basically, how do you navigate those sort of choppy waters when you don't know what's ahead? Being small with experience, uh, with contacts, with relationships allows you to navigate those waters much easier, I think, than if you're kind of starting out and you grow too fast, too quickly. So look to, you know, the assets that you already have. Look to the value you already have and stay nimble. I think for us, that's the, that's, they're the key things that I'd say to anyone moving from kind of services to product. Love it. And as our listeners know, we start with our guests and get to know you, but we also want to end the episode uh, with our guests. And I uh, would love to hear what gets you guys up in the morning. I suppose what we're doing now is a product with a purpose. Um, so we mentioned this TV show we were involved with. It's actually due to go to air in the next couple of months and we'll share it with you and hopefully some of the listeners will get to see it. But in this TV show, um, we work with this lady, Teresa, who's 70 years of age, who suffers from chronic pain every single day. And she took the headset off and she was crying because it was the first time she had no experience of pain. And that, for me, it's not even a business decision. It's almost like a motivation for what I would like to do from a, I don't want to use the word legacy, but I just have, from the perspective of how we leave this world um, and do we leave this world with a, a, a positive imprint. So I picture Teresa sometimes in the morning and I go every stride towards creating a solution that scales and can help more and more people who are in real need and in real pain. Uh, and ironically, I put my back out three weeks ago and had a week of experiencing what that is like. And it is something that I could not imagine experiencing over three months and longer. So really being able to make a difference to people's lives and help while also delivering a strong business, keeping great people in employment and giving good returns for our investors. That's my alarm clock. Neil? I'm sure given the fact that you go back to being eight years old and almost living a parallel life together, <laughs> but is there anything else you want to add? We used to be known as each other's work wives <laughs> and it was always an argument about who was the wife. Yeah, there is, I suppose, to qualify that, you know, the school we went to uh, was actually a Jesuit school and was, it was all about uh, social justice, you know, so I think somewhere in there, uh, there's an element of that that has driven us since we were kids. That sense of social justice is really important, but we're not such, you know, good people that we've done things like our other friends have done and actually set up charitable organizations in Uganda or something. We're not the priestly types. We definitely are driven by wanting to leave 
this life um, with a positive imprint on the world. Uh, and, you know, making sure that our families are, are happy and secure, I suppose. So ultimately, it's about writing the book. We're writing the book right now. And so at some stage at the end, you want to make sure that there's some interesting chapters in there. So every day I get up and go, what's going to be interesting and what's the challenge today? And let's do it. Let's overcome it. And let's write an interesting story right now. Amazing. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. And we'll keep an eye on Shine VR. Thank you. Thanks, Eugene. Cheers. On this episode, I also got to speak with one of the patients using Shine VR, Teresa. Teresa is 72 years young. She was born albino and visually impaired. When Teresa was in her 20s, she worked with children with disabilities. And whilst lifting one child to bed, she badly damaged her back, which resulted in her having an operation. During that operation, there were complications with a dye that was supposed to go inside her body. The dye went into her brain and damaged all the nerve cells in her spine. On a daily basis, Teresa struggles with things that most of us take for granted, such as reading a book or picking up something from the floor, due to her constant chronic pain. It was great to hear her direct feedback about using Shine VR and how this technology is helping her through the painful moments. And now we'll hear just a minute or two about Teresa's experiences using this tech. Teresa, thank you so much for making the time for us here at the DTX podcast. Just had a few questions for you. And the first one is, what were your expectations for using this VR technology? Not a single thing. I'd often heard people saying it and I didn't even know what it was. That's the truth. And uh, they'd say something about films and things like that. And I wouldn't know what they'd be talking about. And then Trevor came in one day and... Uh, he said, Teresa, are you thinking of something else? And he said something about VR. And of course, I went, what's that? <laughs> you know. So he told me and he said, it, it might help. You know, we don't know, he said, but it's a surprise. On a daily basis, Teresa, how does your pain impact you? Okay, I've had eight operations on the spine, one on the neck and seven on the lower part of the back. Another one pending on the neck, but... I also had a thing called, it was an implant of a neurostimulator, which didn't help at all. And then I had another one, which didn't help at all. It was just like something pumping inside you. So we left it and I was getting nerve blocks and things like that. Um, surgery in the middle, maybe, but whatever is back there grew again. But then there is a thing called arachniditis there, which is permanent. And they reckon it's severe arachniditis. Personally, I don't think it's as severe as I've seen some people on, say, YouTube or something like that. They can't walk maybe with it, you know. I'm very lucky that way. But the pain doesn't allow you to do very much at all. Even now, as you get older as well, it's much worse. What was your experience of trying it for the first time? I was fascinated. I thought, oh my goodness, what's this like about? You know, you might have been here when I saw it first. I don't know when it came in, like in, not the very first time, but when he had it done out for me. I couldn't believe it. I thought I was seeing things. And I did mention at some stage that I often dreamt I could float. Now, it never entered my head that you would. And that was a great thing with pain, that you could float because you weren't feeling anything. You were completely, oh, it was brilliant. So when you had this thing done that I could actually float on it. I was in my element. I thought I was in heaven. And that did relax me. Really, it did. Very much so. 
And finally, Teresa, if you can just tell me your experience before, during, but also after using Shine VR. I have a lot of pain and I say, well, look, at, you know, we'll put on this and see how we do this time because it did work. And I put it on and then I just relax and we put on Shine and off I go floating. And it's like heaven. You forget about the pain. I know you can feel it, but your mind is not thinking of it at all. It's not registering. It is there and you're aware in a sense, but your mind is completely involved and taken up with this floating thing and the whole thing of the shine of the VR. Thank you so much, Teresa, for making the time. Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, a production of mission-based media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Health or Health Excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. I'm Eugene Borohovich, and catch you next time.